0: We've never once came on here and said, wow, wow, what a smart, well-executed game plan from from the Broncos in that one, right? It's just been, you're right, John, it's been the broken record. Like, can you give me anything? Is there any offensive identity? Is there anything they can hang their hat on? Backup quarterback or not, just another uninspiring effort from the Broncos offense, coaching, game planning, execution, all of it. Plenty on that coming up here later in the program, but first and foremost, welcome Broncos country to the show. And and what I should say is good morning, because this is a rare coffee time recording of the show for us as you, John. Get ready for a trip to Europe that will include Broncos, Jags in London, right? So you must be all packed up, pumped up, ready to go, John. How are you feeling right now?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I've been trying to do this, planning it since like 2019 because the Broncos are going to play in London in 2020 and now they're going back. So I'm going over to Europe, going to check out some other European countries leading up to the game. I'm going mostly as a fan, but I will do some work and we will have a podcast after the game. So it's not totally a vacation, but it's going to be a lot more fun than just work time. Yeah, we'll
0: have a show uh, with John uh- Touching base from Europe. So that'll be kind of fun in your trip. You guys are hitting all kinds. You're not just hitting the game, right? What other spots are you guys hitting?
1: Uh, Germany, Italy, Spain, and just touching through Denmark and France just briefly. So it's going to be pretty cool.
0: I'm so jealous, John. I'm so And I know you planned to see the two and five Broncos led by Brett Ripon, right? And that's exactly I mean, what you that was
1: exactly what we were going for. <laughs>
0: so, so that, of course, is the voice of John Heath. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary playing host. Just one final quick housekeeping note before we dive right in. Uh, you might be finding the show on Broncos Wire uh, or Twitter or somewhere, and, and you can subscribe to the program wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, that's Spotify, whatever is best for you. And with that, let's jump right in. And I think our leadoff topic, John, off the game Sunday against the Jet, uh, the Jets, I'm sorry, is we had a different quarterback, Brett Rippon, but the same issues with the offense, right? Just nothing really changed with Brett Ripon in there. The Broncos continue to be an offense that struggles, that doesn't score points, that struggles in short yardage, which we'll get into. Uh, and here's my little opening take on it, and I wanted to get your your reaction. We know Brett Rippon is Brett Rippon, right? Like, I get it. I'm not surprised the Broncos only scored nine points uh, with Brett Ripon in there. I get it. But what's kind of annoying me this morning, as I'm sipping on my coffee and saying, what am I going to rant about this morning? What's kind of annoying, John, is that the backup quarterback in today's NFL, it's not that, it's not like, it doesn't kill you as it did in years past, right? Like, look around the league. Like, the Cowboys, they had Dak Prescott go down in week one, broken thumb. All those fans, those Cowboys fans said, oh, the season's over. Well, then Cooper Rush comes in, they win four straight. Now Dak's back, and the Cowboys are 5-2, and two, right? The Patriots did it, too. They had a third-string, fourth-round rookie quarterback. Bailey Zappi came in there. They were 1-3. and three. They went two straight. Now they're 500 going into the Monday night game against the Bears. Uh, just this past Sunday, look around. Washington beats Green Bay with Taylor Heineke, their backup. The Panthers upset Tom Brady and the Bucks somehow with P.J. <laughs> Walker, the backup. So just because you have your backup quarterback nowadays doesn't mean you're screwed, right? And I think while Brett Rippon's probably not in the upper echelon of backup quarterbacks, I think he's fine. I think he played fine on Sunday. I don't have any beef with Brett Rippon. I think a team that has its bleep together can beat the Jets at home, even if Brett Rippon's the quarterback. I think it all comes back to where the Broncos are. They're They're just not good enough in any area right now, too. I have some thoughts on the defense, too, coming up, John. Like, they're just not tight enough in any area to be able to kind of answer the bell with their backup quarterback, right? I think that's kind of... What I'm feeling coming off the game.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it r- right on the head. And this past week, leading up to the game, when it was sounding like Wilson might not be able to play because of his hamstring injury, a lot of fans and media members, half jokingly but like partially serious, were like, "What if Brett Ripon goes and like throws three touchdowns and like the offense looks way better? Then like that's going to look so bad for Russell Wilson. Like then it's going to be a sign that oh man, maybe Russell Wilson is the problem." But That's clearly not the case because, like you said, it's not like Rippon's some great quarterback. Like he's a backup for a reason, but it it was a new quarterback and the same problems. And to me, and like again, Rippon, he's not supposed to be Russell Wilson, he's a backup. But even still, like you're saying, you can still have a competent offense with a backup quarterback and the Broncos just didn't. And that comes down to the offensive minded coach, Nathaniel Hackett, the decisions he's making, the spots he's putting Brett Rippon in, the plays he's calling, it's just not been good enough. And it's like every week we're rehashing this over and over, going over about Hackett it's just every week, it's just not good enough. And now they're going to London, they're two and five. If they lose to the Jaguars who are also two and five, And going to the bye week, two and six, halfway through the season, two and six, you have a long bye then. Like, I really would not be surprised if the new ownership group, if they really think about making a coach change during the bye week, if they can't beat the Jaguars. Because, like, two and six, and the one thing that Hackett was supposed to be excellent at is, like, the worst part of the team, the offense – and it's not just that the offense is bad it's historically bad like it's like some of the fewest points they've scored to this point in the season in their history and it it's not just like oh well we thought it was going to be great and it's only good no it's not that it's awful the offense is so awful and it's we've taken a step back from like the Trevor Simeon days and like the Brock (laughs) Osweiler days, even like case Keenum, the offense was more competent than that. And so it's just, uh, like I said, we're, we're just rehashing it every week. There's really not much left to say hack it. He just hasn't been good enough.
0: Yeah. And let me ask you the simplest question, John, that I think is the hardest thing to answer. It's like, what's the Broncos offensive identity through what is it? Seven games. What is it? Give give me one thing the the offense does well. Like can you can you do that? Like there's no run, there was no run game zero uh on Sunday, right? Melvin Gordon did give you anything. He's just honestly he's just kind of a pain in the butt right now. Melvin Gordon, <laughs> right? Uh like we're 7 games in. We've never once came on here and said, "Wow. Wow, what a smart, well-executed game plan but from from the Broncos in that one, right? It's just been the, you're right, John. It's been the broken record like can you give me anything? Is there any offensive identity? Is there anything they can hang their hat on? There, there's really like, we're kind of spinning in the wind here, right? It's like they ran 75 offensive plays against the Jets and, and 46 of them were passes with Brett Rippin. 75 offensive plays, 46 pass attempts for Brett Rippin. Like, no balance. The Jets, meanwhile, they run 53 plays and they have 28 rush attempts. So it's really even, right? Like, balance. The Broncos were skewed on the in <laughs> heavy with the passing attack with Brett rippon in there. Did we put him in a great position to succeed? I don't think so. What's the identity, John? Is there anything?
1: No, I don't think there is anything. And, and like I said, I th- it's just illogical play calling. Like you're saying, you have a guy who used to be a practice squad quarterback and you're getting <laughs> they're, they're letting Brett rip, let it rip. But it just He's not the guy to do that. And also, like, it was a close game the entire game. It, it's one thing if, like, the Broncos fell in a hole early and they had to throw just because they're run out of time in the whole second half they have to throw to try to catch up. That wasn't the case. Like, there was plenty of time to run the ball. Maybe just because the backs, like you said, Melvin Gordon wasn't very efficient. Latavius Murray wasn't too efficient either. Maybe because of that, Hackett just got – flustered and was like well run is not working i guess we'll just have to completely abandon it but like that's not that's not right either like he should know as an experienced offensive coach you can't just abandon the run just because it's not being as efficient as you want it to be so yeah I, like i said i' there's not really a lot left to say about him if if like they don't get a result in London i'm I'm ready to say we got it like last week like you said at the very least the very least they got a Make a switch at play caller. He Hackett's got to hand that over to someone else if it doesn't look way better against the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, they got to step in and do something, John. And it's like if they fire him during the bye week just because he's that terrible. It's like that's <laughs> unprecedented. Like y- you'd have to go back. Like the closest thing to it would be what Urban Meyer in his first year, but he was out there like kicking his play. He was kicking his players in the ass. Did he <laughs> yeah. kick his kicker? He kicked the kicker. And he was just being a complete DB out there. Like I don't think Hackett's a bad person or a bad guy, and I think oh he's, no, yeah. no,
1: like I like Hackett. He just can't coach. Just, <laughs> yeah, the results have just been awful, and it's a shame because it seems like n- now because everything's going awful, I'm sure not everybody's thrilled with him, but like. Besides that, it seems like the players like him and like his personality, like he's a fun coach to play for. It's just that everything is a disaster right now. So that's obviously not fun. But like, I don't think, yeah, like some, there are some coaches that players just naturally don't like because of like their personality or whatever. And Hackett's not that. It's just the results haven't been acceptable.
0: Yeah, and and short yardage, maybe it's because the running game is, you can't, you can't get there with the running game right now, so uh, maybe you're, you're really searching on the play sheet or whatever, but short yardage has been a, a big-time issue, John. It was again in this game. I mean, even at the end, I know a lot of Broncos fans, and, and you as well, had issue with, you know, fourth and three, down seven, right, trying to get that game-tying touchdown late in the game. You're on the 25-yard line, and on fourth and three, we let Rip... Rip it, right? We let him go to the end zone. Instead of just trying to pick up three yards, like you don't have anything in your anything in your bag to pick up three yards. Greg Dulcich was having a good game. You can't come up with anything. You, instead, you chuck it to the end zone. They did it again on 4th and 10 later in the game when the Broncos were really in no man's land at that point, 30 seconds left. But 4th and 10, there was still some time to get closer. Again, they just had Rip and chuck it. That time it was like 50 yards, right? Just chuck it to the end zone, see what happens. Let's try to get a flag. It's like, oh man, like what's going on there, Joe? What do you think about the fourth and three calls specifically, and just what's going on in short yardage in general with the Broncos on offense?
1: Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Particularly the fourth and three one, I thought was really bad. Like you said, Dulcich, he had been able to find some holes in the middle of the defense. You can have him just sit down in the middle field like that again on the outside. You can have like Sutton and Judy do like a crossing route, like a slant and an out you know a little rub see if one of them can get open like there's all kinds of ways because like you said okay the run game's not great so you're not confident in running for three yards okay but you can do like a five-yard pass that's not like some crazy like hard thing for brett Rippen to do he's very capable of doing that and you can scheme up a play like we saw it uh, a couple weeks ago when kj hamler was wide open like hack it Can scheme up a play to get a player open in short yardage situation, and then you just got to count on your quarterback to get it done. And they didn't even get Rippin a chance to do that. Like Rippin's chances of completing a three, four, five-yard pass is way better than his percentage of checking it up to Cortland Sutton in the end zone. I know some people are upset, uh may have been a little grabby on that play, and maybe there was a case for defensive pass interference, and maybe that is the case. But, you know, we wouldn't even be in that situation if they throw a a shorter, better play and pick up the first down and then go from there. And also, we should not completely brush over kicker Brandon McManus. I know it was windy yesterday, but it really hurt the Broncos that he missed a field goal. It was a little long, but still, he missed it. And he missed an extra point. If he makes that extra point and he makes that field goal, the Broncos can kick a field goal and tie the game instead of having to try to score a touchdown to tie the game there at the end. And, but again, that doesn't mean you have to throw to the end zone from the 25-yard line on fourth and three. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating, and I I just think it it's just like situational awareness, I guess. Like Hackett's got to know like what you have, what you're working with and put these guys in the best spot. And I, it didn't seem like it was something where Ripon, like changed the play or took over and was like, oh, actually, I'm going to do this to something. Like, it just seemed like that's what they drew up. Like, yep. That's what Hackett sent in. And, yeah, I, I don't love that at all.
0: Yep, that's how they drew it up. Yeah. yeah, McManus, man, that was like a wiffle ball. That thing was moving all over the place when he kicked it. That didn't look right. That didn't look right. That football was like, I, I didn't know football's move like that. The thing was going all over the place. That was crazy, man, just frustrating all around. We're two and five. We're two and five. And, you know, the defense, I don't want to nitpick them too much, John, but they give up a 62 yard touchdown run and maybe too many chunk plays overall to the Jets. I don't know. I just think it back right now in my head. I remember Braxton Barrios getting a couple plays that were a little bit too long for my liking. And again, that the 62 yard touchdown run, I mean, more so than the field goal, I mean, that's the one that really you look back on and say, if we just tackle the running back and maybe get, get on the edge better on that and, and seal that thing off, like, that's probably a different ball game. That's that's probably what ultimately decided the game. So the defense is fine. They only allowed 16 points. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, and rail against the defense. But a lot of chunk plays and the 62-yarder was kind of frustrating as well, Just just for honorable yeah. mention.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't like that big run, but I'm not too, too worried about them. Well, I mean, I'm not worried about them at all, but I'm not too mad about it because a lot of times when a big run like that happens, you're like, oh, no, here we go. It's going to be a long day. And the team just runs it down your throat and so I thought maybe that's what we were going to see but we didn't and it it maybe helped a little bit that Brees Hall hurt his knee and had to leave the game so that's a bummer for him but the defense after that it's not like it kept happening over and over in the run game so I like yeah that big run that is frustrating but I don't think it's like a sign of huge alarm because it's not like it was going on all game it was just one bad play and like you said if uh Randy Gregory or yeah, Randy Gregory's there setting the edge, he's on IR right now. Maybe that makes a little difference. If Josie Jewell's in there at inside linebacker for Alex Singleton, Jewell was out with a knee injury, maybe that makes a little difference. So I don't think it's a huge concern. But yeah, if the defense makes that play, it's a totally different game. So it's it's it doesn't come down to any one person. It doesn't come down to McManus. It doesn't come down to Rippon. It doesn't come down to the defense. Uh, I'd say that, but actually maybe it does come down to Hackett as the head coach who's overseeing everything. If it is on one person, it is on him.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think I just fi- I figured it out, John. I figured out the... So what is the Broncos' offensive identity? It's that our defense is good. That's the identity of the <laughs> offense. Our defense is good. That We'll figure it out on defense. So, all right, there's much more to get to. Uh, Russell Wilson. Adam Schefter had an interesting tweet. He said Russell Wilson wanted the play, but the head coach held him back. Want to get into that here. We'll also get into uh, Broncos, Jags. I keep wanting to say Jags instead of Jets, John. I got Jags on the mind, so we'll be talking about that here as well. But first, the huddle.com is going to help us set our fantasy lineups. We'll be right back.
2: This is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this
3: interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini of the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number eight. New Orleans Saints quarterback Andy Dalton versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Fresh off a 361-yard, four-touchdown performance in which he also threw three costly picks, Dalton appears poised to start ahead of the still-injured Jameis Winston. Las Vegas has given up the most fantasy points to the position, and every starting quarterback has gone for at least 23 fantasy points against this defense in 2022. In the last three weeks alone... This matchup is 46.7% better than the league average. While expecting anything close to a replication of last week's showing is unwise, Dalton has a chance to get his top two wide receivers back on the field and should be good for at least 275 yards and a pair of touchdown strikes, which is more than enough fantasy success to justify his streaming play. Miami Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert at the Detroit Lions. Mostert has gone for 10 or more PPR points in three of the last four games, and he set a season-high mark with 20.9 points last week. The former 49ers dominated this backfield work of late, and he faces a cupcake matchup. Ride the hot hand and lock Mostert in for a minimum of RB2 expectations. Detroit has given up the fourth most fantasy points per game in the last five weeks, regardless of whether receptions are included. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bateman returned last week from a foot injury to log four grabs for 42 yards and five targets. It appears he came out of this game no worse for wear and will face a Tampa defense that is fighting through injuries of its own in the secondary. Eight receivers have made it into double figures in PPR scoring against the Bucs and two of the three best performances have come in the last two weeks. Look for Bateman to get back on track. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. Coming off a bye, Smith looks to make it consecutive games with a touchdown grab. And Arizona's feeble defense is a position will make it a reasonable bet to come to fruition. While Smith scored in week six, he logged four catches for an impressively low seven yards. He has no more than five catches for 42 in any outing this year, which should help illustrate his riskiness. Roll the dice on the matchup itself. This is a top eight opponent for receptions, yardage, and touchdown efficiency by tight ends in the last five weeks. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle.
2: in Colorado.
0: All right, Broncos fans, did you uh, did you miss Russell Wilson this week? Did you miss it, John? What do you think? What, what, watching Brett Ripon play was it like? Oh man, this is just this isn't how we're supposed to be this year, right? We're supposed to be watching Russ Cook. Instead, he's on the sideline in street clothes. and We're watching Brett Rippin. Did you miss him last week?
1: Well. I miss the possibility of maybe this will be the week he steps yeah. forward. Like yeah. from what we've seen this year, like you can't miss what his performances have been because they haven't been good enough. But I I'm just like I've said before, I guess I'm too optimistic. Like I keep thinking, like, okay, maybe this is the week it clicks. Maybe this is the week, you know, Wilson's more familiar with the receivers. Maybe this is the week Hackett, you know, gets it together and gets them some better play calling. But it just Yeah, it hasn't happened so far, and we'll see what Wilson's status is going forward. But at some point, he'll come back, and you just got to hope that he will turn a corner, and the whole offense will. Well,
0: it sounds like he's got a a shot to play based on what the coach said after the game, John. We'll get you to talk about that here coming up. So if it's just a one-week hamstring, that kind of feeds into what Adam Schefter was tweeting. I teased this before the break. So here's here's what Schefter tweeted. He said, while Russell Wilson wanted to play despite a hamstring injury and did everything he could to play, Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett will hold back the nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback versus the Jets to allow him to heal and prevent a lingering injury per sources. So when I see a tweet like that, John, I like to uh, read between the lines and come up with conspiracy theories because you know you know how I am. We've been doing this for three years. So let me read between the lines here. Wilson wanted to play. Well, actually, that was in the tweet. Wilson wanted to play. The coach said no. Why? Because starting quarterbacks, John, in the NFL, they rarely miss starts, right? If they can help it, right? Wilson is probably used to playing hurt. A lot of the best you know, franchise quarterbacks in the league are used to playing hurt. That's all it is. And and as you say each and every week when you say it's a must-win game for the Broncos, this was a big game. You don't want to fall to 2-5 and five if you want to have a season, right? It was a big ball game, a winnable one. Even on the road, they should have had that one. And you hold him back. Why? right? Why? So he could be as healthy as possible later on, John, when we're playing out the string and getting ready for the offseason? Is that why you're holding him back? Like, if, if Wilson was felt that he was good enough to go and give you something, why are you holding him back? That kind of bugged me, John. If Wilson could go and want to go, should they have let him go? Right? Because I don't think Brett Rippon's saving our season. You know, despite what fans may have been hoping for, <laughs> Brett Rippon was never going to be the savior. So if Wilson thought he could go, and Hackett held him back, John. What's your thought on that?
1: I'm not bothered at, by it at all because players always want to play through injuries. And and like Hackett said last week, that's what you want. You want the players to always want to go. And like Wilson, we know his mentality and his drive. Like, yeah, his performance hasn't been good this year, but his his mentality is fantastic. Like, he's so driven. He works so hard. He's so diligent. Like, he puts in the work and I'm not surprised at all that he wanted to play, but I'm not mad that they held him out because we talked about on the pod last week, like, hamstrings are serious, and NFL Network reported on Sunday morning that he has a partially torn hamstring. So I totally, totally get, like... Yeah, maybe Wilson thinks he can play through it and maybe he could. But if the risk is high that he's going to turn that partially torn hamstring into a worse injury, and then you're looking at like four, five, six weeks, opposed to maybe one or two weeks, I, I'm totally okay with sitting him down. I, I'd much rather be cautious with my franchise quarterback than make him say play through something that could uh, really extend the duration that he's out.
0: Now, I agree with you, John. Just saying that. I do agree with you. Okay. I think uh, I'm with you but are you ready for my conspiracy theory piece? The, <laughs> Go here, here's, the, here's the conspiracy theory. Maybe maybe Russ's hamstring, yeah, maybe it's bad, but maybe it wasn't that bad, John. Maybe he could have played through it and, and maybe not you know, killed himself worse or whatever. So this is the conspiracy piece. Maybe Hackett thought, maybe he thought Wilson needed a day, a week. You know what I mean? He needed a day on the sideline to just be in street clothes and help out Brett Rippon and kind of see it because maybe he thinks the quarterback's a little bit overwhelmed with the new offense. Maybe he's pressing a little bit. Maybe second-guessing his reads, as we've kind of seen. Whatever, right? Did he think Russ needed a mental break and could benefit from watching a game or two? And, and, and you know, you have the hamstring injury on top of that, right? So it's like, okay, we, you're, you're banged up and you're not playing good football. So maybe just take a, take a week off, big fella. Is that, the, is that conspiracy theory so off-base? I actually think it's possible.
1: I doubt it just because even though Wilson's not playing well, he's still Russell Wilson. He's still your franchise quarterback and Brett Rippon. Like we like him just fine. But like I said, he's a backup for a reason. He's a former practice squad guy like Russell Wilson, 10 times out of 10, he gives you a better chance to win than Brett Rippon. And they invested so much to get Russell Wilson. Like clearly they're confident in him. Maybe right now that confidence is a little lower cause he's struggling, but he's your guy and when your franchise quarterback can play and when you're in this hole and like you said it's a must-win game like every week like the Broncos they can't afford to just give someone a mental break um yeah I, I think if if they thought that Wilson could play without risk of worsening his injury a lot I think they would have played him
0: all right, fine, John. You're thinking too logically this morning. We'll just have to move on. Uh, what What do you think? Do you think, uh, what's your gut tell you? Are you going to see Russell Wilson in the Broncos live in person in London, or do you think you'll see Brett Ripon? What's your gut tell you right now?
1: Well, NFL Network reported that his status beyond the Jets game on Sunday morning before the Jets game, they reported that his status was in doubt beyond the Jets game. But then after the game, Hackett was like, it looks like Wilson is trending towards playing. So I don't know to read between the lines of if Hackett just wants the Jags to prepare for it and like hoping like it would be great if he is, but we're not necessarily counting on it, but we're going to say that it's looking that way. Or maybe he's being completely truthful and maybe Wilson is training towards playing this week. I really don't know how to read it. I think it's probably going to be a 50-50 toss up. I'm guessing he'll probably just be limited in practice all week, questionable on the injury report on Friday, and then maybe it'll be a game time decision just how his hamstring feels in warm up. So, I I bet it's probably 50-50. All
0: right, John, I'm hoping you win that coin flip. I want you to see Russell Wilson on your trip. I know the trip <laughs> will be great either way, but I want you to see Russell Wilson. Come on. That's Yeah, that would be that cool. was that was kind of part of the uh, the inspiration for the trip, obviously. Uh, so Let's get into it. So we are recording on Monday morning, so early in the week, the trade deadline's fast approaching. The Broncos are traveling to London. So there's a lot of factors playing into the trade deadline. But we wanted to touch upon it really quick because there are some interesting players on this roster that the Broncos could receive calls on. Uh, number maybe they're actually giving calls for Melvin Gordon. There's like a call center, a Broncos call center say, "Who will take Melvin Gordon for a seventh route pick? Bye-bye, Melvin, <laughs> love you, mean it. It's been great. It's been grand. Actually, John, with the with the injury to Boone, I don't know if Gordon's going anywhere because we're pretty thin at that position. But if anyone wants to trade us a, a draft pick for Melvin Gordon, please let us know. Uh, there's some interesting names, though. Albert O. I don't want him taking any snaps away from Greg Dulcich right now, who's been super productive. You don't so. have to worry about okay, that. OK, <laughs> yeah, not, not worried about that. But yeah, I mean, is he a guy that could be on the trade? Jerry Judy's a really interesting name. I, I see his name popping up because what's his future? Uh, is George Payton going to pick up his fifth-year option in the offseason, which will be in the neighborhood of like what, eighteen million? Probably not. I don't think Jerry, Jerry Judy's production is anywhere as close to that. So that's something. So what could you get for Jerry Judy? Would a team give you? Would a team give you a second-round pick for him? Probably not. But I'd if they would, I'd take it too. I'd take it. Bradley Chubb. You got Randy Gregory. We mentioned him. Uh, Baron Browning's playing excellent football. You drafted Nick Benito maybe Bradley yep. Chubb. So you have all these names that are kind of intriguing with the Broncos at the deadline. They could stay, they could go. Uh, what do you think about that, John? Is there is there one player you think uh, could be moved? Or do you think the Broncos stand pat?
1: Well, the one guy that I think teams would have the most interest in is Bradley Chubb because he's got five and a half sacks in yeah. seven games. He's been productive. He can set the edge against the run. He's not just a pass rusher. He's pretty decent. And honestly... I honestly think he would be a better 4-3 defensive end than a 3-4 outside linebacker. So I think there's a lot of teams that might be interested in him as an end. And from the Broncos' perspective, yeah, like, it's great that he's playing well. And, like, we like him in the locker room, and we like him as a player. Like, he's healthy this year. That's fantastic. But he's a free agent next year, and he's going to cost a lot of money. And they just gave a ton of money to Randy Gregory, and like you said – baron browning has been fantastic this year and he's on a cheap rookie contract they just used a second round pick on nick bonito and he's on a rookie contract so and and they also like jonathan cooper as well he's a very solid fourth string rotational pass rusher so they've got even if they trade bradley chubb they've got plenty of outside linebackers and he's the one guy that i think has the most trade value because like you said like if somebody offered a, a second for Jared Judy, I think you take that. I Automatic. don't know if anybody would offer. That. But Bradley Chubb. I think you could get a first round pick for Bradley Chubb and and probably maybe even more than that. He's probably worth more than just a fit a first round pick because you know, pass rushers are so important and he's a pretty good one. He's playing pretty good right now and they don't have a first round pick next year. They don't have a second round pick next year because the Russell Wilson trade. And as of now, they only have five picks for 2023 and George Payton likes to have 10 and he has said they will have more than five picks by the time the draft arrives. So to do that, You gotta trade somebody. So I think Chubb would probably draw the most interest. I bet they would be open to trading him. Judy, if like I said, if someone offers a second, I would take that. KJ Hamler, too. I bet they would be willing to part with him, maybe with the like a mid-round pick, maybe even a late round pick, because they just drafted Montrell Washington. And in the summer, Hamler was sidelined and like for most of his career or uh, big chunks of his career, he's had a bunch of injuries. And in the summer, Montreal Washington came in and played the KJ Hamler role on offense. In addition to being a returner. And he looks pretty good. And we were all kind of like, okay, now we got KJ Hamler, Montrell Washington, two guys who are the exact same position. They're not going to, well, I mean, maybe they're going to keep one, but it's kind of like, you can only put one on the field at the same time. They're kind of the same type of player. Yeah. And one is a John Elway guy. One is the George Payton guy, so you know who's going to win that. Yep. And, and <laughs> so, and you mentioned Albert O. If somebody would offer a late round pick for him, I definitely think they'd take it because he's like the fifth string tight end now. I think they must be really frustrated with his blocking because, as a receiver, I think he's pretty decent. And with I, I'm sorry, you asked for one guy, and I'm rattling all. Oh, keep off, going. It's interesting. With, with Melvin Gordon, like you said, Mike Boone hurt his ankle. I don't think he's available this week, and hopefully, it's not a super long injury. But uh, they just brought Marlon Mack. They signed him off the 49ers practice squad. So this week they got uh, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, and Marlon Mack will be the third string guy. And then if Boone is able to come back, if they did trade Gordon, you know, you could have Latavius Murray, Marlon Mack, and Mike Boone. Like, there are plenty of NFL backfields that aren't any better than that. So I think they could make it work. Murray is a competent veteran guy. Mac, he's got plenty of experience. And Boone, a lot of Broncos fans like. He runs hard. So they could trade Gordon, but I think you made a good point. With Boone banged up now, maybe they're not going to be itching to just flip him for a seventh-round pick. I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But also, running backs are so undervalued by NFL teams today I don't know if anybody would really offer anything for Melvin Gordon. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, But like I said, I think Chubb is the most notable because I think he's the one that teams would have the most interest in.
0: Yeah. That's, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, you said, you know, Chubb could be priced at a first round pick or better. And then you think of that deal that the 49ers gave up for Christian McCaffrey, which was like a bunch of day two picks. Right. And some day three, it's like, Hmm. Yeah, That might be appealing to the Broncos if you could get a package of pick. Maybe not a first-rounder, but a package of day two picks for him. I mean, yeah. that might that might look good. Yeah, with Melvin Gordon, uh, I, I don't think – I think you're stuck with him. I, I think we're going to be watching Melvin Gordon this year, John, because of Mike Boone, like you said. And also, just think about free agency. Gordon went unsigned deep into free agency. We've talked about yeah, that as well. Yeah, anybody could have yeah. gotten him. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of – melvin gordon love out there i don't know if he's played such (laughs) inspiring football this season that you'd want to go and give up a pick for melvin gordon so i think we're stuck with that player uh yeah the trade deadline is going to be a very very interesting uh situation for the broncos we'll see what they do they are two and five so do you do you start tearing it down a little bit trading good players like bradley chubb man that's that's fascinating we'll cover that as it comes but first london is calling we'll get into that matchup here coming up next but first Let's get a play of the week from the Bet Slippin' Podcast.
2: This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our global sports betting leader, Typical Sportsbook, out Tipco Sportsbook is a global sports band leader and is live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipco's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users will get a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, 21 plus and see site for the details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. All right, let's get into this week eight's game of the week. Between the Packers and the Bills, the Packers are 11 and a half point underdogs at buffalo the bills are still going to be without Tre'Davious white they're probably a strong uh public play they sit 16th in component opponents completion percentage meanwhile green bay was coming into the season had the pff's fifth best offensive line ranks 12th in sack percentage and while they do give up completions they rank 22nd in a post- opponent's passer rating while it may not well while it may feel like a risky play i would back the packers plus 11 and a half
2: four seven zero zero in Colorado
0: all right John we've been talking about the Broncos they're two and five they're kind of limping across the pond to London right Russell Wilson will he play will he not key injuries on the defense as well Uh, just injuries all over the place not a good time the uh, as of as of recording I think the Jaguars who are two and five just like the Denver Broncos are four and a half point favorites uh, what do you think? What's your leadoff thought on this matchup with the Jags, the game being in London, and that four and a half point spread?
1: Yeah, I, I see why the Jaguars are favorites because the Broncos' offense has been so incompetent. It's not like the Jags are lighting the world on fire, but at least their offense has had some moments where it's like, oh, that looks pretty good. Oh, okay. You see Trevor Lawrence making some progress the Broncos they haven't like that that Raiders game was okay but they still lost so there's there's never been a week where it's like oh man this Broncos offense okay they can do it so I think nobody has any faith in them to score points and like yeah their defense is good but we see week after week like the defense has allowed one an average of one touchdown a week and that's not good enough that's how incompetent the offense is so I get that the Jags are favorites especially because of the Russell Wilson uncertainty I think you know, Tibeco is like, okay, Brett Ripon might start, and yeah, the defense is good, but can they score more points than the Jaguars? Probably not. So I get that, but you know, if Wilson is able to play this week, he's one and zero in London. Not that that really means anything, but it, he travels well. He's done it before, and like, if he comes back, he's going to be really motivated to be like, okay, you know, I'm back. I'm fixing this, and and they're going to be up against the wall. Hackett's up against the wall, like. I'm saying if they lose this game, maybe they make a change during the bye week. If not firing Hackett, at least taking away the play sheet. So, like, it's got to be do or eye time for Hackett and all the Broncos. So, you hope they come out motivated and you hope they come out, you know, trying to prove something. But uh, I'm probably – I would just recommend staying away from this game because of the uncertainty about Wilson and like, it's a London game kind of like, you don't know how that's going to go with like how players bodies will react to traveling and stuff. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't confidently go either way with this game because of all the uncertainty.
0: Yes. If, and if you want to hear me ranting about George Payton, taking the play sheet away from head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, listen to last week's episode. If you haven't yet, uh, I, I had to get a lot off my chest last week, John. Um, all right. So just looking at this spread four and a half, I understand why you want to stay away from it. Uh, four and a half. Why, why are the Jags favored by four and a half when they're two and five and probably just as bad as the Broncos? Well, they might kind of get credit for a home game almost John, cause this is their ninth <laughs> time playing in London. The Jaguars are playing their ninth game in London. So the Brits out there, they're like. Oh yeah, you know I can't do a British accent. I'm not even gonna try. But it's like, man, the Jags are our team. You know, the Jags are our team. Yeah. So, and what makes this one really hard to pick, though, from like an observer, is that these are two teams that they both have no idea how to win, right? Maybe Jacksonville's a little bit closer than Denver right now, but neither of the teams have any clue how to finish off a football game. The Jags, at least, are close. They're well, and the Broncos have been too, right? There, these teams are losing close games at the end almost every week. They don't know how to win. Uh, they don't know how to win. They don't know how to win. Neither team does. So, uh, but the Jags Maybe do. We
1: could Maybe we'll go into overtime. Nobody <laughs> scores. <laughs> That's almost happened in the Colts game.
0: It's possible. Uh, and the Jags do have talent, though. Like Trevor Lawrence, yeah. this Travis Etienne, the, the second year running back out of Clemson is is looking really yeah. good. He's dangerous. Good receivers. Their defense is better than you think. They, they give up less than 20 points a game. The Jaguars do, uh, despite being two and five. They're in every game. They just can't finish it, just like Denver. So, like, you got two teams that like to, you know, puke at the end of these football games and not and not be able to pull it out at the end. It's like, how do you pick it, John? So I don't blame you for for having pause. But I think you know just because of the uncertainty at quarterback. If we had to pick it right now, if it's Brett Ripon again in this game, I would probably just take the Jags minus four and a half because I think they've got their crap together on offense a lot more than the Broncos do. Uh, we, we both picked the Jets last week when assuming Russell Wilson would tough it out and play. So I think the Jags are a little bit better than the you know, they might be better than the Jets. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. The Jets are the Jets are five and two. Uh, I'm talking in circles here, but I think my pick would have to be I have to stick. I have to stick against the Broncos. I would have to go Jags four and a half if it's ripping. If it's Russell Wilson, maybe I stay away from it because I don't know how healthy he is, you know. So it's yeah. a tough. It's a tough game yeah. to call.
1: I, I think if Rippon plays, I'm with you that the Jaguars win. I don't I don't know if I would even feel comfortable about four and a half, but I'd pick the Jags to win if Rippon plays. If Wilson plays, you know, I'm just going to put myself out there and a bold prediction against the two and five Jaguars. I'll say the Broncos beat them if Wilson plays. But we, we're probably not going to know that until the day of, so that's going to help people a whole lot. But, I mean, nobody's probably going to know because – uh, we just don't know how his body's going to heal and what their decision going to be. So we'll find out in a couple of days. What's up with Russell Wilson?
0: Well, it's going to be fun on Sunday. So in, in Denver, what is that? An eight, 8 830 AM kickoff in London for the uh, folks in Denver, 730, mountain time, I believe <laughs> 730 AM John I don't, who you won't even know what time it is by then. Right. I don't know if you'll be adjusted to the, to I think the, it's it, going to be hours? like
1: three 30 local or no two 30 local. I think
0: two 30 in the afternoon, local time. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully you're acclimated. You're going to be well acclimated by then. We'll all be waking up drinking coffee and you'll be like in the middle of your day when you're at the game. But <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm really glad we could get the, uh, the show in. And again, I think we're all we're all jealous of you. This is going to be a really fun trip for you, man. I hope you uh, safe travels. Hope you have a great trip. I hope Russell Wilson plays for you. So let's speak it into existence. And then we'll try to catch up with you next week from Lond- uh, you know, from wherever you are in Europe from your travels. That'll be the plan. All right, man. So awesome. safe Sounds travels good, to Sounds
1: good, Ryan. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs>
0: John's riding John's riding on to London. And hopefully the Broncos uh, can, can win a game against the freaking Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see. Uh, but for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. John, again, he's going to be working a little bit. Check out his stuff on Broncos Wire. There'll be plenty of content on there. And we will catch you next week after Broncos Jags in London.